The History of North America series has commissioned artist Isabel Prince to produce a collection of original one-of-a-kind artworks with certificates of authentication to reward our wonderful Patreon members. Each abstract piece is directly inspired by the themes, characters, geography, or topics covered in our episodes. Check out this special collection at patreon.com slash markvinette and join our growing team of loyal supporters. Check out the Sean and Kira family-friendly YouTube channel for crafts, science, travel, wildlife, and history videos for all ages, including concise North American history capsules at youtube.com slash Sean and Kira. Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. In this episode, we sail alongside John Cabot and share in the exploits of England's first great maritime explorer with the support of the English king, Henry VII. Join me as we explore the northeastern coast of North America under the flag of England. The English king, Henry VII, issued letters patent to John Cabot, or Giovanni Cabotto, an Italian-born navigator, authorizing him and his three sons to voyage in search of unknown lands to return their merchandise by the port of Bristol, and to enjoy a monopoly of any trade they might establish there. Technological advancements that were important to the age of exploration were the adoption of the magnetic compass and advances in ship design. Ships grew in size, required smaller crews, and were able to sail longer distances without stopping. This led to significant lower long-distance shipping costs. Prior to the age of exploration, European sailing had been primarily close to land, guided by port and coastal nautical charts. These sea atlases specified proven ocean routes guided by coastal landmarks as sailors departed from a known point, followed a compass heading, and tried to identify their location by its landmarks. For the first oceanic exploration, Western Europeans used the compass, as well as progressive new advances in cartography and astronomy. Arab navigational tools like the Astrolab and Quadrant were used for celestial navigation using astronomical charts plotting the location of the stars over a distinct period of time. These tables revolutionized navigation, allowing the calculation of latitude. Exact longitude, however, remained elusive, and mariners struggled to determine it for centuries. The exact details of John Cabot's life and his voyages are still subjects of controversy among historians and cartographers. Described as another Genoese like Christopher Columbus, Cabot was born at the midpoint of the 15th century and spent his formative years in Venice, eventually engaging in Mediterranean navigation and trade. There he married and had multiple sons. In 1488, he moved to Spain and sought support for an Atlantic expedition before moving to London in 1495 to seek funding and political support for a voyage to find an alternative route to the Orient. His plan was to depart westward from a northerly latitude where the longitudes are much closer together, and where, as a result, the voyage would be much shorter. The king agreed, and like other explorers at those times, Cabot led an expedition on commission, in this case, from England. John Cabot went to Bristol to arrange preparations for his voyage. Bristol was the second largest seaport in England and was the only English city to have had a history of undertaking exploratory expeditions into the Atlantic. 
1496, Cabot made a voyage west from Bristol, but was forced to turn back because of a shortage of food, inclement weather, and disputes with his crew. In May 1497, Cabot sailed again from Bristol on a little ship called the Matthew, in the hope of finding a route to Asia. Leaving Bristol, the expedition sailed past Ireland and across the Atlantic Ocean. On June 24th, he sighted land somewhere on the coast of North America and called it New Found Land. He believed it was Asia and claimed it for England. Although the crew, upon making landfall, did not meet any native people during their brief visit, they did apparently come across tools, nets, and the remains of a fire. The crew appeared to have remained on land just long enough to take on fresh water. They also unfurled both the English and Venetian flags, claiming the land for the King of England and recognizing the religious authority of the Roman Catholic Church. Cabot continued to explore the coast for weeks thereafter, making observations and charting the coastline for future voyages. He landed only once during the expedition, before turning back. The exact location of the landfall has long been disputed, with different communities vying for the honor. Records indicate that he sighted land at a northern location believed to be somewhere in the Canadian Atlantic provinces. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. For the 500th anniversary celebrations, the governments of Canada and the United Kingdom designated Cape Bonavista in Newfoundland as the official landing place. Here in 1997, Queen Elizabeth II, along with members of the Italian and Canadian governments, greeted the replica, Matthew of Bristol, following the ship's celebratory crossing of the Atlantic. John Cabot has historically been credited with being the first European to land in North America since the Norsemen, and thereby also recognized as being the first European known to have landed in Canada after the Viking Age. On return to Bristol in early August 1497, Cabot rode to London to report to the king that the new lands were excellent, the climate temperate, and the sea covered with enough fish to satisfy England's needs. He was given a reward, adulated, and fated as a great explorer. Nine months later, Cabot departed on another expedition with a fleet of five ships from Bristol. Some of the ships carried merchandise, suggesting that he intended to engage in trade on this expedition. One of the ships was caught in a storm and forced to land in Ireland, but Cabot and the other four vessels continued on. Mystery surrounds the fate of the expedition. Was the fleet lost at sea? Or did one or more ships return safely to port? It's not known if Cabot survived the voyage, or returned and died shortly after. 
His overall efforts, however, helped lay the groundwork for the later British claim to Canada. King Henry continued to support exploration from Bristol. In 1508, one of John Cabot's sons, Sebastian, undertook a voyage from Bristol to North America where he explored a section of the Canadian and American coast from Hudson Bay to Chesapeake Bay. Following his return to England in 1509, Sebastian found that his sponsor, Henry VII, had died, and that his son, the new king, Henry VIII, had little interest in westward exploration. Like Columbus, Cabot believed that he was laying claim to part of Asia. The New World, which had begun as a dream, ended up being mistaken for another continent. It seems apt, however, that Canada, which has become a nation of many cultures, should have been discovered by an Italian sailor who was building on the navigational experience of Portugal and Spain, whose voyage was funded by the King of England, and who mistook this continent for Asia, the land from which the native people's ancestors had come. Join me next time as we continue to rule the waves during the fascinating age of exploration. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals, including maps, charts, timelines, photos, illustrations, and diagrams. Please consider supporting our History of North America series in the following ways. Join our growing community on Patreon. We offer lots of membership benefits, including ad-free content, bonus episodes, history-inspired artworks, and books. Receive an ebook welcome gift upon joining. Donate with PayPal and also receive an ebook. I've written many historical nonfiction and fiction books, including exciting international historical mystery and suspense thrillers. One such novel, The Dead Letter, is set in the beautiful Tudor England of King Henry VIII and his famous daughter, the Virgin Queen Elizabeth. All my books are available in print and digital format on Amazon. If you shop Amazon for books or anything else, Make sure to use our free link so Amazon knows who sent you, thereby giving us extra credit with no supplemental cost to you. All links appear in this show's description and on our website at markvinet.com. Spread the word to family and friends. And remember, all positive ratings, reviews, feedback, and comments are appreciated. This helps us expand our audience. I'm Mark Vinet, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.